I had the most strange week. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know, but my boss's son was getting married this week. And uh, they got this massive venue. And they decorated it from top to toe with beautiful decorations. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. My boss is a millionaire. He has got all the money in the world, all the money you can possibly think of. And this place was absolutely draping, dripping with the best of everything you can imagine. I was a little bit surprised when my boss asked some of my colleagues to go out and bring all those that had been invited to the wedding on Saturday to come. The most awful thing happened. They didn't come back. My colleagues who'd been sent to go and get the, the guests for the wedding, they never came back. The guests never turned up either. I, I found out later that the guests had actually beaten them all up. And they killed them, murdered them, exactly where they stood. I'm really looking forward to this wedding, and my mates have just been killed. I was absolutely terrified when my boss came to me and said, I need you to go and get some different guests. The people I've invited have decided not to come. I want you to go and invite anybody to come. I've got to admit, the first thing I thought of is what happens if that load can find me too? Because they are not going to be happy. They've just killed my mates. What happens if they kill me too? What happens if this other group of people, perhaps they might kill me? But you know what? I remembered what the invitation was for. And I really wanted to go to this wedding. And I'm so glad I did. It was an amazing place. And it was such a privilege and such an honour to be welcomed into that. Because I'm not really this guy's friend, I'm this guy's member of staff. It was beautiful. Do you know, we had the most amazing time. Everybody came. Everybody we met on the streets, anybody who we invited, they all said yes and they all came. And we had the most fun. Honestly, I'm a bit tired today. I would say I'm hungover, but that's uh, taking it a bit far. But man, we danced and we had fun. And we celebrated with my boss and his son, and we had the most amazing evening. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit shocked towards the end when I saw a guy getting kicked out. You know, this was a family party. This was a really big celebration. And this guy just, he got tied up. The security went along, the doorman went along, and they tied up his hands and his feet, and they chucked him out. I thought maybe he'd been drunk, I thought maybe he'd been fighting. But he wasn't. I found out it's because he didn't have the right shoes on. He didn't come in the right clothes. So they decided that they were going to kick him out of the party. So he missed out too. It's a scary thought. Matthew 22, 1-14 tells you that story. It says, when Jesus spoke to them and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another one to his business. The rest seized their servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, 
The wedding banquet is ready. The wedding banquet was still ready, regardless of it being declined. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told his attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. I have a 45 minute sermon here that I'm gonna deliver in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Challenge accepted. Of course, it wasn't my boss I was talking about. Of course, my colleagues weren't murdered. But you should have seen the shock on your face <laughs> when you thought in 2020 in Basildon, actually my boss lives in Manchester, and technically, I, I, I don't know who's, David, who's my boss? Are you my boss? I, don't, I can't figure it out. I work for the church now. Jesus is my boss. So I'm hoping he didn't go and kill half a dozen people that didn't come to the wedding. But my old boss lived in Manchester. I wanted to take this story. I actually really struggled to prepare for today. We are in this season of hospitality and in discipleship. And I really want us to grasp this. We've had an introduction to what discipleship means. We had a wonderful time. We've had an introduction as to what hospitality means for us. And when I was praying this week, as I said, I was really struggling to prepare. And this story came to me because this story is about the element that's missing. This story is about the invitation. And if you remember when we did the vision casting at the start of the year, we said this will be the season where we get to invite. And I'm not just talking about, I am talking about, but I'm not just talking about an invitation to brunch or an invitation to kids' work or an invitation to Friday night youth. You should come to Friday night youth, not all at once. It's amazing. You should come and have fun with us. This is the invitation to come and know Jesus. This is the invitation to the banquet hall. This is the invitation to everlasting life. This is the invitation to know your God and King personally. It made me think about what an invitation meant. And actually, in the interest of time, rather than me elaborating, I'm going to read this to you. I've never done this before in church. I don't want to miss any points. To be invited is an honour. It's not a piece of paper that you get through the post. It means that you've been included. It's not just the food and wine and excuse to get dressed up. It is to be asked to be a part of something truly special, a landmark in somebody's life. Therefore, a huge blow, an insult to say no. It says, you are not worthy of my time, my effort, my money, or my energy, or my investment to say no to an invitation. To accept an invitation can be at worst a sacrifice. Do you know... Earlier this year, I was invited to a friend's wedding, and I mean a dear friend's wedding. Some of you may know him, Samuel Brown from Swansea, originally from Bristol. He is a good man. And I've walked a single journey with him. I'm a single man, uh, as in unmarried. And we've walked a journey for a long time, and he was getting married in August. And he rang me, he said, Ricky, it's not even announced yet. Ricky, we've not told anybody we're getting married. But I needed to tell you, my friend, and I wanted you to come. Can you imagine how honoured I felt when I had that personal phone call invitation from this church leader friend of mine to say, I, I, my, my parents know and my church leader knows, but you're my next phone call. 
I want you there. I said, Samuel, it's a busy time of year for me. Just tell me the date and I'll make sure I block it out. He said, whatever, whatever we do, we will not get married at a weekend. We lead a church on a Sunday. We know it's too expensive to get married on a Saturday. So whatever you do in this month, I said, mate, as long as it's not a weekend, it should be fine. So I blocked out my whole diary, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. And I just waited for the invitation to come. And it came on Saturday, the whatever of the month. I thought, great. You told me it wasn't going to be a Saturday, but who cares? I'm coming to your wedding. I'm coming to the celebration. Until I discovered, when I checked my diary, it was the Silverstone weekend. And for 18 months, me and my stepfather had not just bought entry-level tickets to Silverstone, we'd bought quite good tickets to go to Silverstone. We'd saved up for 18 months to camp, to go on the Wednesday night, not just the Sunday for the race. We were there on the Wednesday night for the concert and all the practices and all the coaching and all the training and all the racing. We bought special tickets to walk down the pit lane and I was gonna miss the Saturday. If I missed the Saturday, I couldn't get there on the Sunday either because of the wedding. Can I tell you how long it took me to make the decision to give my ticket away? No time at all. I was angry, I was disappointed, I was a little bit upset because he told me he wasn't gonna do it on a Saturday so I went ahead and spent the money and booked the ticket. It was hundreds of pounds, I'd saved up a long time for it. But he was my friend and it was an honour to go. At worst, to accept an invitation, you'll miss Silverstone. Do you know during the speeches I got a special mention? Hadn't realised that the table sat next to me as a family had all bought tickets to Wimbledon the same weekend. And had all made the same decision. That there was just no competition between this invitation and the tickets that we had bought. To accept an invitation at worst can be a sacrifice and at best it takes effort or intentionality. To attend takes an investment. Think about if you'd been invited to a wedding like I was last year in Zambia. Wow. Do you realise how far in advance you have to plan a wedding to Zambia? You have to buy tickets. You have to arrange video conferences to make sure there's no video evidence of this. To make sure you know all of the dance routines for the wedding. I'm looking at some of my Zambian and African brothers and sisters who know what African weddings are like. It is hard work and it is expensive. And in fact, I think my aeroplane ticket to go to that wedding probably cost more than the entire wedding did. It didn't take me very long to go to my brother's wedding in Zambia. It takes an investment. Even if it's in Basildon, it takes the cost of transport. You have to go and buy a new suit or a new outfit. You should buy a gift. It's an investment of our time. I want to think about the king's invitation. The king invited all who were worthy to come to the banquet, to come to the wedding, to come to the feast. To invite means that I genuinely want you there. I don't know how many of you have been married recently. Looking at some of the younger couples in the church. And I say that because weddings nowadays are ridiculously expensive. And one of the first things I see couples, I'm a pastor of a church, this happens. One of the first questions you think about is a venue. And one of the second things you think about is cost. And then you have that horrible question that we all hate and we all have our own views and opinions on. Do we invite children? Do we invite children? Why? 
because sometimes these places are 50, 60, 70 pounds per head for a child who's going to sit there and complain and say, oh, I want fish fingers and chicken nuggets, I don't want this 60 pound dinner. And those inconsiderate families that have six or seven children to bring along, it's like paying for an whole army and you have to sell your house to be able to afford it. To invite to a venue that doesn't have enough chairs for everybody in your life. An invitation is a real thing of honour. So to invite somebody means that I want you there. The king wanted them there. How much more did the king want his guests to come when his servants had been murdered? I think personally, if I was the king, if I was the boss in this situation, I would have torn down the banquet hall. I would have binned all the food. I'd have had my own dinner and my own wine, I must admit. And I would have thrown the rest of the pigs. And I'd go, you selfish bunch of horrible vipers. I hate you. You've ruined my son's wedding. You've ruined my day. But he didn't. He looked for other people to include in his invitation. I want you to think about... Sorry, we have run out of, run out of time. But I want you to think about this story in three parts. Really, it is about how we see this story. Number one, just think of the first set of servants... think that could have been Jesus he was the one who was sent to invite wasn't he he was sent by God to earth come invite these people into the kingdom of heaven and he was mistreated and he was murdered he did it for us today when I was doing my funny thing at the beginning it's called a third person narrative for those who want to try it I spoke like a second servant I was part of the second wave of servants being sent out. I've got to be honest with you, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but I'm going to speak on my behalf. The reason I chose that character or one of those characters in this story is because that's how I resonate with this story. Jesus was the first set of servants that came to say, you're invited. He was murdered and he was killed. I now take up the mantle to be the one who goes out and gives the invitation. You too should be at the ones they go out to give the invitation, whether it is to youth or children's work or to Alpha or to church or to simply to pray for somebody who's suffering or somebody who's sick, to share your 60-second testimony. Remember, we did that two years ago. We trained you how to do a 60-second testimony and a 30-second gospel message because this is not a hard message to give. Jesus loves you. We live in a broken world. If you want any reconciliation to that pain and that suffering, we can do that through God. But it's an option and a choice. Of course, number three is that we all associate ourselves with the guests, don't we? Whenever we read that story, it's, it's the first reading, it's the first understanding. But the story's a bit deeper than that, isn't it? We all think of ourselves that, yeah, we, we had the invitation and actually those first invited were, were the Jews, right? The God's chosen people. But when they were rejected, when they rejected the Messiah, it was then us, the Gentiles, the, the heathens. We were then invited. So we can easily associate with the guests. I wonder how many of us associate with the final guest. Do you remember the guy who had his hands and his feet tied because he didn't come in the proper attire? And he was thrown out of the hall. No, of course, we don't associate with him either because we're self-righteous. Sorry, that was a bit condemning, wasn't it? But we are. We just associate with the nice warm bit in the middle where we're the wedding guests. Through no 
of our own work, through none of our own understanding or our own grace or our own mercy, we are now invited to the wedding. So point number three was not to say that you shouldn't associate with the guests. Point number three was be careful not to be the guy who got chucked out. Don't just come in your, your shorts and your flip-flops, Ricky, to a wedding. It's disrespectful. There's a proper wedding attire to come. Don't come with your swearing and your cheating and your, your misuse in the business world. You're lying. And say, that's oh, okay, Jesus will forgive me. As Bart Simpson does that. Don't come in the wrong attire. Come with the right attire. No, we're all going to sin. There's no guilt or condemnation in this. But to say, this is me, this is who I am, this is who God made me. No, it's not. That's not who God made you. God made you perfect in his sight. And we're all on a journey back to that perfection. You don't just get to turn up and say, this is me, like your Olympic. You don't get to turn up in your shorts and your flip-flops. Ricky, I'm going to condemn myself because I'm not going to condemn you. For those who don't know me, I often preach in shorts and flip-flops. A bit too cold for that this time of year. But don't come to the banquet with an attitude. We come to the banquet with that honour of we've been invited to the wedding feast. Who are you in this story? We're going to finish now. Some of my final thoughts were really simple, but who are you in this story? Some might even say they were the king. I think in 2020, Basildon, right now, a lot of the people I speak to, they would see themselves as the king in this story. Because I'm in control of my own destiny, right? And I'm in control of my own finances. And I'm in control of my own diary. And I'm in control of my own mental health. I'm in control of my own career choices and how I raise my children. And you can't tell me otherwise. Do you know if you say that, that makes you the king of this story. Some might say the son. Perhaps some people think that they're the Messiah. Perhaps some people think that they're the one that has the solution to all the problems. How about those of us that really struggle or have had really tough journeys so far? How about any of us that might feel like we're the first set of servants? Those that have had nothing but being beaten and being persecuted. Others might think of us as the second set of servants, like I did today. Still others, how about those that have missed out? The first set of guests. I don't imagine too many of you are going to put your hands up to that one publicly. But how many of you feel like you were invited, but maybe you didn't mean to, but maybe you killed the servant. They killed the idea, you made your choice, you made your bed, now you've got a lie in it, right? Because that's the world we live in. Choice and consequences, my mum would say. You made your choice. Now deal with it. Perhaps you think you've missed out. You haven't. How many of you feel like the new guests? And how many of you feel like you're the guy who got kicked out? We cannot be kicked out. Remember I told you last week, this is what they call a parable. It's a story. It didn't happen. It's not real. It's a way of illustrating a principle. That there is a kingdom of heaven. There is a banquet, and it is a banquet of everlasting life and heaven. When we die, we go to heaven to be at the, the foot of Jesus, at the right hand of the King. And that's what we're invited into, of peace and of everlasting life, of healing and of restoration. 
And all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you're in. My warning to you is don't be the last servant. Don't come carrying an attitude. Don't turn up in your shorts and flip-flops. Because if this stuff is real, we talk about this on Alpha all the time. If this stuff is real, you better be on the winning side. Because the other side of this is not everlasting life. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not going to debate with you the existence of hell. I'm not going to debate with you the existence of heaven. Both are real. There are real consequences to this choice. But all we have to do is believe in our hearts. Confess with our lips. And for all those wonderful people recently, what was it then? Repent and be baptised. We had some baptisms. I think there's some other people that want to be baptised soon. So I'm hoping for that. I'm going to get bad feet if I keep on getting in and out of water. But it's a, it's, a, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Because this is a simple choice with such a vast consequence at the end. But you are invited to the banquet hall. I want to associate and finish with point number two. Which is I want you to be. I want to be. I want you to be the second set of servants. Jesus is saying to us, they rejected my first invitation. But now you guys, you go out and you invite people. What did it say from every street corner? Whoever is available, whoever might come, go and invite them. You don't have to be Billy Graham the evangelist or the pastor of a church to do this. We are all the second set of servants. So let's go out this week, this month, this year, in our discipleship and hospitality season and be the ones who give the invitation to the wedding banquet. How fun. What a privilege. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have come for us. I thank you that you have given us this amazing opportunity. Lord, I thank you for your great commission to be the ones who go out and invite. Lord, I ask this week for a, a spirit of inspiration and boldness and bravery in each one of us to be able to speak to those in our lives. Let's start close to home. Maybe you're timid. Let's start with those that live under our roofs or the people we've got in our phone books. Those who are already a little bit braver, why don't we go and knock on the next door neighbour's door? Those who are even bolder still, put a Facebook post. Start an alpha course. Go and find all the kids on your street that are between the ages of 11 and 16 and invite them to Bread of Life on a Friday night. We're going to launch Message soon. We all know children. We all have children in and around our lives. And if we don't, let's go and meet some. Volunteer with Liz and Barbara in the, in the Messy Church team so you can come on a Saturday and serve in that area. But Jesus, come through the power of your Holy Spirit and give us the boldness. You've given us the call, the call to arms, the standing orders, the instruction, whatever you want to call it. But now, Lord, we need your empowerment through the power of your Holy Spirit to equip us for the call that you've given us. This is not a heavy burden. This is a privilege. It's a great honour and we want as many people to be invited as possible. We love you, Lord. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our weeks. We lay everything down again at the foot of your cross and say, Jesus, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.